Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's the best friends forever! Best friends forever! And with that, we welcome you inside Studio 34. This is the VFS. That is Frank Stample. I am Greg Sussman. Frankie! What's going on, bud? Frankie! Happy hump day to you, buddy. We've hit the middle of the week. Seems like this week's going pretty fast, too. These past couple of weeks have Not been as fast as last week. Really? Not as fast as last week. Right. Last week was flying by. Feels, feels pretty good right now. Yeah, you feeling good? We got a lot going on, Greg. A lot of baseball action going on. Look at these nice little graphics made by Alex. This is lower thirds. Alex, you do a fantastic job. Like those, like fantastic those. job. I don't even remember who Martino was. <laughs> Throwing shade. Thank Greg. you very much, guys. I really appreciate that. I just wish I could do you much better with video because I'm about to throw a computer through the window. All right, fantastic. I thought Carl's ending video. What happened to that? Oh, uh, I've heard Carl say that about uh, three, four times. All right, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we're not live. Oh, right. Not on video yet, on vi- but we're working but, on it. But he's trying. We're working, working in progress. Oh, right. In progress. In, pro- in progress. Greg, it's crazy time right now. June is always a pretty wild time because we're in the midst of fantasy baseball. There's a lot going on. We got the NBA Finals going on right now. We got the NBA playoffs coming up. NBA playoffs. M- uh, the NBA draft coming up next week. NBA final is still going. And uh, Fantasy football is right around the corner. It is. And we'll talk to Davis Maddock later on in the show, get a little best ball strategy in here as well, Greg. I was just talking to Davis uh, right before we went on the air uh, about a little best ball strategy, about the U.S. Open, which I know you don't care about. That starts tomorrow, Pebble Beach, uh, one of the majors in uh, golf. So that's exciting. Just drafted my team. So I feel good. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, Greg. I'm, I'm pretty useless when it comes to golf. No, all right. But that's, that's why we have Davis, right? Davis knows football. Davis... We have him on for golf. He does the FanDuel videos. He, he does random Bundesliga soccer. Yes. He does. It's not, not even kidding. No, I know. I've, I've, I've seen him talk about it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> He's out of his mind. But I love it. Davis Maddox joins us. Coming up at 1240, uh, Virginia Zakis will join us tomorrow uh, from inside injuries. A lot of injuries. Uh, last night, I was looking at my pit team before we went on the air. And I, we have three pickups per week, and I have used all three. Damn, already? It's Wednesday. I used one today. I'm streaming... Danny Duffy against the Tigers. So I streamed Jared Eikhoff on Monday. He Sorry. He not only got bombed, but was then sent to the bullpen. So uh, on Tuesday, I lost Corey Seager, Ryan Brazier, Jordan Lyles, and uh, Jose Urania to the IL. Oh, my God. <laughs> on Tuesday. 
So I used two pickups today. I can't tell if that's better or worse than the fact that <laughs> I had Paxton and Zach Wheeler in my lineup yesterday. Uh, I also I had Patrick, but I had uh, Masahiro Tanaka and Patrick Corbin in my lineup yesterday. All right, let's go. We both suck. Doing really well this week. It's a great week, Frank. Great week. Everybody, be sure to continue taking our advice. <laughs> Absolutely. And that actually leads us uh, to our poll question today, Frank. I thought it was a great poll question. I actually didn't use this for the poll. What? We'll, we'll use it tomorrow. What? We, we we'll put it on the rundown. I was so I excited. I was like, wow, Frank, this is a great idea. I'm loving your creativity. Dude, because I saw I saw people, I saw someone specifically, I'll tell you during the break, last night. Is it Florio? And it was, no, it wasn't. And I just got so frustrated about like fantasy analysts that pump themselves up too much. Florio does it, so it makes you, sense. You have to be realistic, man. I understand like you have a brand and you want to uh, promote yourself as someone who gets a lot of things correct, but nobody in this industry gets 100% correct, Greg. And you have to be able to learn from your mistakes. And what I think we do a lot is make fun of ourselves when we get things wrong. And you have to try and learn from it. This is one of those things that, like, I think I take the other extreme a bit. Like, I get a lot wrong. And I'm yeah. pr- like, I don't mind talking yeah. about we, it. We probably shouldn't, like... You've been saying this for years, that we shouldn't talk about how many things we get wrong. <laughs> like, it's all right to do sometimes, Craig. We probably shouldn't give people this impression that we're wrong all the time. But, you know, we like to have fun with it. We like to joke around. I think it's, it's a much better approach... In life overall, too, like, don't take things too seriously. Like, don't be too cocky. You got to be confident, but, like, these fantasy analysts who just only tell you the things that they get right all the time, it's just, it's such a tired look, Greg, and I'm over it. But we'll talk about that later on in the week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I can't even reveal it now. I didn't didn't want to put it in the poll because I didn't want Davis Maddox to think we were, like, talking about him or something. Oh, you thought thought too much. Yeah, I probably overthought it. Are you kidding me? Let's get into the news. We got a lot going on. All right. So the biggest news for me uh, was, and I'll get to some of the top story, the top stuff in a moment. But Corey Seager, of course, the one thing you didn't even have on here, but Corey <laughs> Seager uh, was rounding uh, third base last night, strained his hamstring. Dave Roberts immediately after the game was like, "Yeah, he's got a very significant hamstring strain. They think it's even more than a grade two. We'll talk to Virginia about it tomorrow. But Corey Seager is going to be out for the next significant period of time. I would assume past the All Star break. Not a good look for Corey Seager. Very, very unfortunate. Yeah, he was recently coming around as well. Yeah, he was so finally getting hot. That's what makes this even more frustrating. You look at in the month of June for Corey Seager, small sample size, forty at bats, but. A 425 batting average, one homer, nine ribbies. He had five home runs in the month of May as well. So the power is starting to come around a little bit and then gets hit with this hamstring injury, which seems like he's more than likely going to land on the IL. Greg, I'll just ask you the residual effects of this. If Corey Seager is out, does that make Chris Taylor an everyday player again? Yes, it does. Despite how he struggled this year. Which means, should he be owning in 12-team leagues again? No, I don't think he's been good no. enough to be owned in 12-team leagues. I think he's probably owned in NL-only leagues. If he's not, like that's where I'm jumping in. Certainly 15-team leagues, I'm jumping in because he's going to play every day, have a solid spot in the order. But he becomes an everyday player, the everyday shortstop. And ultimately, hopefully with his consistent playing time, he bounces back and plays well. He's actually uh, slacked off a little bit in June, Greg. Overall, hasn't been a great year for him. 218 batting average, 674 OPS. But he did show signs in May. I remember talking about him that he was heating up a little bit. In May for Chris Taylor, he hit 300 with three homers and 10 ribbies and and then kind of took a back seat here in June as well. So it strikes me as one of these really streaky players, but I think in deeper leagues, you know, if you lose out on a Chris Taylor, I mean, if you lose out on a Corey Seager, then Chris Taylor looks like he's the next man up, Greg. Yes, absolutely. So that's uh, the biggest injury to go down last night. As I mentioned, uh, that was Corey Seager. 
couple of other pitchers, Jose Urania hit the IL, as I mentioned, Jordan Lyles as well. But I want to talk about players coming off the IL hopefully soon, and that is some of our top stories. I mentioned Urania. So we're seeing Jordan Yamamoto getting the opportunity to start here um, for Jose Urania in this rotation. He's on the 40-man one of the reasons he's getting called up, he's making his debut, came over in the Christian Yelich deal. What should fantasy owners know about Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Yamamoto? Uh, he's in double A right now, and he is a middling prospect. He's not a top prospect. He was kind of more so one of the throw-ins in the Christian Yelich deal. He has performed well in the minor leagues, 3.75 ERA in the minors with 495 strikeouts and 463 innings pitched. More so known for his curveball. It is a plus curveball. This is really frustrating that he's getting the call from Double A while Zach Allen is completely destroying Triple A in the PCL, mind you, where home runs, isolated power, power in general is just up crazy amounts in Triple A and in the minors this year. And Zach Allen is just absolutely destroying it and doesn't get the call because he's not on the forty-man roster. So. Situation to pay attention to. I still like stashing Zach Gallen, but uh, Jordan Yamamoto, just someone to pay attention to. Let's see what he does in his start tonight. Again, plus curveball, and this year in Double uh, A, he had a 3.58 ERA. Last year in Double A, in three starts, he had a 2.12 ERA. So I don't think that he has immense upside. He kind of more so projects as a middle to back end rotation arm. But I think anytime you have someone who's getting called up, that Marlins Park is their home park, Greg. You're at least interested in deeper league. So. Pay attention to Jordan Yamamoto. Jordan Yamamoto, somebody that could help your fantasy teams. It's crazy. I was just reading an article that like the Marlins rotation is like the fifth best in the NL. Like they're good, mm-hmm. but now they're beat up, man. With, with uh, both Urania, Caleb Smith on the IL, we'll see what Yamamoto can be, and see if Zach Gallon will ultimately get the call for you, Frank. Uh, and the rotation's good. The hitting, the bullpen, not so much. But at least the Marlins do seem to be going uh, at least in the right direction. Speaking of young pitchers, Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puke finally made their debuts in the minors uh, for the uh, for their respective teams. Lazardo, more, we were super, super excited about him coming into the year. Him and Chris Paddock were the guys. They're on the same level. And... Basically, as soon as one went, the other went in drafts. Lazardo, unfortunately, hurts his shoulder towards the end of spring. Really was shut down for about two months. Ramped things up. Pitched three shutout innings last night. Are you worried about the A's fast-tracking him a little bit, bringing him back as a member of the bullpen, potentially, stashing him in AAA? Are you worried about that? Or are you looking at him as a player that was going to make the Major League roster and will get the chance that he deserves to start? I think he will get the chance to start, Greg, because the Oakland A's made the playoffs last year. I think they have aspirations of making the playoffs again and making a run here, but their pitching staff has not been good. And you're right about Jesus Luzardo. He was on a similar plane as Chris Paddock, uh, the lefty version. Let's call him that, the lefty version of of Chris Paddock here in the American League. A lot of people liked him as a Rookie of the Year candidate before he got hurt in spring training. Only 20% owned in Yahoo Leagues right now. You know, I just mentioned Zach Gallen, and he's performed mightily at AAA, but honestly, Lazardo might get the call up to the majors sooner than a guy like Zach Gallen. So if he's available in your league, Lazardo, that is 20% owned, I do expect him to be in the rotation. Um, let's say, if not late June, early July, Greg, then they might just hold him out until the second half of the season, but we could be looking at a potential top 40 starting pitcher rest of season once he gets called up in the second half of the season. Uh, you look at his numbers in the minors, he's been awesome at every level, a 2.49 uh, ERA 
in 34 starts in the minor league level. Two, 179 strikeouts in 155 and two-thirds innings pitch. There's a lot to like about Luzardo. When it comes to A.J. Puck, I think he's probably more so destined for the bullpen. He might have a multi-inning reliever role, something like Josh Hader. Uh, I, I think he projects long-term as being in the rotation, but I don't know that they're going to rush him into that this year. I think Lazardo is going to get a chance, though. All right, so Lazardo, the name to watch. Also coming back from injury, uh, not that you, we care about him, but Eric Skoglin is coming back from Tommy John for the Royals. Just wanted to note that he had his first start uh, for Kansas City in their minor league system last night as well. Pitcher, that's not in the minors, that's not young, or that's not as young as those guys, it's Mike Clevenger. He had a rehab assignment to begin over the weekend. Started last night as well. And Clev, he's projected to start on Monday, Frank, for the Cleveland Indians. How about that? Yeah, this is great news, too, because Clevenger was awesome to start the year at the major league level. So uh, in two starts, he, he had 22 strikeouts. That's good. And 12 innings pitch. We were really, really excited about that, obviously. So the rehab going well for Clevenger. He's made... Uh, two starts. His first start wasn't as good. His second start goes five and a third innings pitched last night. Three hits, zero walks, five strikeouts, and it looks like he's going to be ready to go Monday, which, you know, if they play six or seven starts, I'd assume that he would have a double start. Normally, I would want to take a more cautious approach when it comes to someone just, that's just getting coming, uh, just coming off the IL right away. I wouldn't have them in my lineup. But if he does have the two-star week, then I might actually look to get Clevenger in there because we know what his upside is. So, yeah, this is a huge boost uh, for you know people who lost him. He was being drafted as a top-20 starting pitcher, and rightfully so. It looked like he was going to take that next step in his first two starts of the season. This is a, just another huge boost coming back off the I.L., Greggy. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Clevenger finally making his way back. The Indians need it because the Indians got to figure out if they are buyers or sellers. We've heard about Trevor Bauer in trade talks for a while. The same could go with Corey Kluber. The Indians, I believe, are like 10 and a half games back in the A.L. Central at the moment. They're going to have to figure it out soon because they have a lot to offer. They could rebuild very, very quickly uh, with teams like the Yankees and others come calling looking for starting pitching. The Indians very well may be open for business. Speaking of the New York Yankees, Frank, their big boppers reiterated after last night's second game of the doubleheader. They're coming back because Giancarlo Stanton started his rehab assignment yesterday, went two for four in single A uh, with a home run, I believe, I expect him to DH today and then move on to AAA. If he goes to AAA for a couple of games this weekend, he'll be back next Monday, theoretically. And that will be very, very quickly for Stanton. When it comes to Judge, he also could start a rehab assignment this weekend, potentially in Scranton. And he could be back as soon as next weekend for the Bombers, who are headed to London in about nine days, I think. So... I know the plan is to get both of them. They want them, they want them for London. That's they want, exactly it. They want both of them in the lineup for London. And if you've waited and you've survived without Stanton and Judge, as long as they can get through this rehab assignment, and it's not a guarantee as we've seen with Giancarlo Stanton before, they're coming back. Yeah, Stanton, two for four last night, hit a home run as well. Let's hope all is well when it comes to both of these sluggers. Uh, but yeah, we're looking at, you know, by maybe next weekend, both of these guys in the lineup together, Greg. And I think... You know, there's probably as good a time as ever to talk about who would be the biggest loser when it comes to Stanton and Aaron Judge getting back in the lineup because Clint Frazier has performed well from an offensive perspective, which is all we care about for fantasy. Not, not as good defensively, obviously, but uh, we know Aaron Hicks is going to play center field for this team. I, I, be I believe that Aaron Judge would play right field most days when he first returns. 
Hendrick Morales, probably one of the first casualties to go here. Is it is it Cameron Mabin that also gets cut here from the team, Greg? That well, it's not going to be both. It's going to be one of them. gets DFA'd. I think, I, think, I think it's one of them. I mean, when Stanton and Judge are both back. I think, get, I think it's one of them. Because when Stanton, let's say Stanton comes yeah. back first, Kendrick Morales is gone. Yeah. Like, that's the first move. Mm-hmm. And the next move, when Judge comes back, it's either going to be Mabin or Frazier. One of them. It's not going to be Clint Frazier, is it? I think it could be because when you have Maven, you have a guy that's faster than Clint Frazier and plays better, better defense fielder. than Clint Frazier. You know, you're not looking at a guy that's a better hitter at that point. You have your big bobs is back. Is this going to be Kesson Hira all over again, Greg, I, for Clint Frazier? Well, I think Kesson Hira is a little bit different because Kesson Hira... Well, he was performing well. Yeah, but he doesn't have the fielding issues that Clint Frazier has. True. And I think they want to showcase yeah. Clint Frazier, play every day to potentially trade him. But they, they've done that so far. They have. Like, it you want it to looks keep, like he's raised his trade value. I would agree with that, but you want him to keep playing to continue to raise it. And the problem is, he has absolutely nothing to prove in AAA, which is annoying. Like, he's a, he's a major leaguer. Why can't Brett Gardner just go away? Is that what is that what happens? Does Brett Gardner just become a fourth outfielder? Well, sure. But you're going to have Judge, Stanton, Hicks, and Gardner. That's it. Those four rotate. That's the answer, Frank. Oh, gosh. Sorry, so buddy. you could be looking at losing uh, Clint Frazier here. Frustrating. Sorry, buddy. Let's take a break. We'll get into what happened last night when we come back. BFFs roll on right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Do you want two risk-free wagers up to $1,000? If so, go to pointsbet.com forward slash grid. Open yourself up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk-free bets of up to $1,000. In addition to traditional betting, PointsBets also offers its own betting concept where customers they're rewarded by how much they win their bet that's pointsbet.com forward slash grid enter the promo code grid and get your two risk-free bets of up to one thousand dollars today All right, we're back here on the BFFs. Davis Maddox joining us in about 20 minutes to talk about some best ball football strategy, Frankie. I know you're getting into it, so we'll get some updates from Davis Maddox, who's running our NFL 365 package over on rotoexperts.com. Let's get into some of the top, 
Let's get into some of the top performances from last night. And given all the home runs that were hit in Philadelphia two nights ago, it was easy to miss what Scott Kingery did. Not so much last night where he homered again. Coming off the IL, he's been fantastic with five homers, 289 batting average, 13 runs scored, 12 rivies, and a stolen base as well. But Frank, you're a little bit nervous and not buying into this. You're not going all in. I like Scott Kingery, and it's a good ballpark, and it's a good lineup, and he should be owned, but I will just caution some people that I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up this type of production moving forward. He's got a two eighty nine batting average since he's returned on May 19th from his injury. Five homers, 13, ribby, uh, 13 runs, 12 RBIs, and a stolen base. Expected him to be a five-category contributor last year. It didn't work out. But during this ban, Greg, a 5% walk rate, a 28.8% strikeout rate. To be fair, during this ban, he's also hitting the ball extremely hard. His hard contact is massive. It's like over 50%. So we've seen guys that have these high strikeout rates, really, really high strikeout rates, that are able to maintain a solid batting average, a 270-ish range, like an Aaron Judge, because when they make contact, they make really, really hard contact. Scott Kingery... Not really the same body type as an Aaron Judge. Not to say that you know he's not a strong guy, but you can just tell he's not as physically imposing as someone as that. So I do question if he's going to be able to maintain this type of hard contact whenever he makes contact because he does strike out a lot. Don't really love the plate discipline. Again, he should be owned, but I think you just have to temper expectations moving forward for someone like Scott Kingery. Again, good lineup, good ballpark. I like the player, but I do want to see him improve his plate discipline as well, Greg. Yeah, Scott Kingery needs to improve that play discipline, but I still think he's going to have that opportunity to play every day. And yeah, I think he should. As a young player, that's what he needs. And maybe these numbers uh, will normalize a bit. Maybe those strikeout percentage does come down, but he's performing at a high level right now. I like what I'm seeing from Kingery uh, personally. Another, Let's actually get into this Phillies game. I was going to move on, but let me get into this Phillies game um, from last night. They're both in... Uh, is beat up with Sir Anthony Dominguez, probably headed uh, for Tommy John, which, which is brutal. But last night... For the Philadelphia Phillies, they were able to win this one 7-4 uh, against Arizona. And the bullpen broke down like this. Juan Nicasio pitched the 8th. Hector Neris pitched the ninth. He's 14th save. You can't even curse Gabe Kapler anymore. Well, yeah, because he's finally listening to me, Greg. All right. Be- you know, I went on that rant the first couple of weeks of the season because Gabe Kapler just so frustrating. A lot of managers in baseball are frustrating when it comes to their bullpen usage. A lot of matchups, lefty-righty. We see that with the Minnesota Twins bullpen. We'll get to that a little bit later on as well. They've been using a lot of Taylor Rodgers, Blake Parker. so And in the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, they mix and match with their bullpen. But Hector Neris has performed really, really well so far this year. And I think he should, be, he should continue to get the save opportunities for the Phillies moving forward. A pretty damn good Phillies team, so he should be in position to save a lot of games. You pick this guy up off the waiver wire earlier on in the season, especially in deeper leagues. You were just hoping to get... All right, if I can grab a couple of saves here, a handful, maybe 10 saves moving forward because I know this Phillies bullpen is going to be frustrating. I think that you're going to get a lot more than you expected moving forward from Hector Neris. So shout out to Gabe Kapler. I know I bashed you earlier on in the season, but you're going with the uh, with the best reliever in your pen right now, and that is Hector Neris, like I told you to do. Thank you for doing so. Hector Neris now up to 14 saves on the season, Greg. Alrighty, 14 saves for Hector Neris, someone you can trust at this moment for the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll see if they make a move at the deadline. I mentioned 
coming down the stairs yesterday after the program. Uh, John Duplantier for the Arizona Diamondbacks didn't pitch well last night. Seven hits, four runs allowed in his three innings of work. Uh, not great for him. Kendall Marte last night had his 17th home run of the year. The third consecutive game that Marte has homered for Arizona. He has been absolutely fantastic, batting 280 with a 330 on base percentage. It took Marte a while to get everyday playing time, and I don't think anybody expected him to hit like this. He also has three steals, 47 ribbies, 42 runs scored. Uh, he's been unbelievable for Arizona. Yeah, he has, Greg. Hard hit rate up tremendously this year, 44.7%. Up from last year at 36%. He's also raised his fly ball rate, so he's lifting the ball more. And normally, you look at a guy like Kettle Marte in years past, more so known for his speed. I never really expected him to take this huge jump in power, but you look at him this year, he's actually added some more weight. They were joking about it during the broadcast. He wears all these different kind of elbow pads and, and, and shin guards and stuff. Kind of looks like a superhero up there. Kind of like an Eric Thames almost. Just They, they wear all this different kind of padding, but... He's really filled out. He's he's increased his power, his raw power, uh, hitting the ball harder and raising it. So, you know, shout out to two Diamondbacks this year, Eduardo Escobar and Kettle Marte, guys that were going later on in drafts that have been two of the biggest deals in fantasy baseball so far this year. I don't really see any reason that Kettle Marte is going to decrease in production all that much either because he doesn't strike out a lot, 16% strikeout rate. Again, he's hitting the ball harder. He's lifting the ball. There's not a lot that tells me that Kettle Marte is going to regress all that much this season, Greg. So if you drafted him, just one of the biggest breakouts so far in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely qualifies as one of the, be the best and biggest breakouts. Marte is somebody that's always been on the waiver wire in the past, someone you thought had the skills to really produce. Finally, 2019, that is exactly what Kettle Marte is doing. Ozzy Albies is another one of these players that has broken out. And while it's been... A bit up and down this year, Frank. We're once again on the upswing when it comes to Ozzy Alves. Last night, the Braves were able to defeat the Pirates in eight innings, rained out uh, seven to five, and Ozzy Alves hit his tenth home run of the season, batting towards the bottom of the order, batting two seventy with a three thirty OBP. But it's been a good year overall for Ozzy Alves, who has three homers in his last couple of games. Yeah, and last month, Greg, I was getting questions about people. Should I drop Ozzy Albies? He was dropped in my league. Should I add Ozzy Albies? And it was a resounding, yes, he should be added. He's going to be a streaky player. We've seen that by now. I still really young. Last year, awesome first half, dipped in the second half. Got off to an awesome start this year in the month of April. Had a two eighty eight batting average that month, six home runs, 12 ribbies, two stolen bases. And then in May... Took a step back, 239 batting average, only one homer. And then this month again, 303 batting average, three home runs, five ribbies. And Greg, since May 17th, so it has it wasn't all of May. It it's you know, it was about half of May that he struggled. Since May 17th on, a th a 308 batting average, a 404 OBP, a 487 slug, 13.8% walk rate. 13.8% strikeout rate. I love that plate discipline. Not striking out as much. Improving his eye. He's walking more. The hard contact during that stretch from May 17th on. 44.8%. 29% line drive rate on the season. His batting average is 270. Expected batting average, 288. That's actually... His expected numbers are up a lot from last year as well. So he's taking the steps to move forward every year that he's been in the big leagues. And I, I said this about him last month, Greg, when he was struggling. I think Ozzy Albies is kind of trying to figure out what player he wants to be at the major league level. Does he want to be a 
line drive hitter who steals more bases? Does he want to hit for power? Because it seems like he's kind of going through an internal debate at times. I think that he does have the potential to be a 2020 type player. He's actually in the 85th percentile in sprint speed as well. Uh, hasn't stolen as many bases as we've hoped, but you could see it. He has a little bit of pop in the bat. He has speed. I think he's kind of going through an internal debate of what kind of player he wants to be, which right now looks like a streaky one, Greg. Makes him better for Roto, yep. but if he was dropped in your league, I mean... Totally agree. He shouldn't have been. Totally he shouldn't agree. have been. Absolutely. He's too good uh, to be dropped in leagues. Too young, still improving. And while streaky, you got to be there for the good streaks. The Braves, as we said, 175. And I saw so many of these. I know Florio tweeted out. I think Jake might have as well. The... Two Spider-Mans facing each other. Yes. They did it each of the last couple of weeks with Chris Archer versus Mike, versus Mike Fultonevich. And you look at these lines. They're very, very similar, man. Five innings, five hits, four runs, four walks, five Ks for Fulte. Six innings, eight hits, seven runs, two walks, eight Ks at least for Archer. Archer allowed five freaking home runs last night. Back-to-back, Donaldson and Marquecas took a batter off. Back-to-back, McCann and Ozzy Alves. Just a disastrous season for Chris Archer. And McCann hit him again later. One, one of the... Most te- terrible trades in recent memory, Greg. One of the worst one trades the I can worst. remember. One of the worst trades that we One of our remember. worst calls as well. <laughs> yeah, look, I like Chris Archer coming into the year because, you know, he's been... Uh, I think he was a little overvalued the past couple of years. The ERA has been over four. The strikeout numbers have still been there for him. But, you know, this year, heading into the season, I thought you could still get 200-plus strikeouts from this guy if he can stay healthy. Now, he hasn't been healthy, and when he's been on the field... The strikeouts have been there, but the production has just been so bad. His ERA near six at this point. Greg, you mentioned it. Five home runs last night. It's almost as if you have to try to give up five home runs if you're a starting pitcher in the major leagues. I actually just had someone tweet me right now and said, you know, if Josh Bell wants to perform in the home run derby this year, he can just have Chris Archer be his batting practice pitcher here. That's that's who we're getting. He's walking a lot of guys, and he's giving home uh, giving up home runs. That's just a recipe for disaster. If you wanted to drop Chris Archer in a 12-team league, Greg, I don't think that I can fault someone for wanting to do that in deeper leagues. I'm probably still holding out on because the waiver wire is just so barren. Like I have him in 15-team leagues, and there's just not starting pitchers that are better than him that are out there. But if you're, if you're out there in a 12-team league and, and you know, you're excited about an Alex Reyes coming up or, or there, there's another starting pitcher that has been performing well, I can't really fault someone for wanting to drop Chris Archer at this point, Greg. I want to drop Chris Archer, man. It's one of those guys where it's like a, a feel-good drop, where I don't have to deal with this crap anymore. Yeah, like, I think people are still going to gravitate towards the name of him. Like, if you drop him, someone else is probably going to pick him up just based off of his name value, but it's just going to end up being someone else's headache on the season, man. Like, the underlying numbers, at least in years past, like, he's had the ERA Correct. slightly over four, and you could point to an XFIP of, you know, a mid-threes and a Sierra of mid-threes. This year, he's got a 5.73 ERA. The XFIP is 4.76. The Sierra is 4.82. It doesn't even say that he's going to get that much better. It's it's just been a disastrous season. He's always struggled with with walks in his command. This year, he's up to 4.53 walks per nine. I mean, that's Robbie Ray territory, Greg. It is. You don't want to be in Robbie Ray walks territory. You don't. You you really don't. And I like I'm looking at the waiver wire in the league that I own. Uh, Chris Archer in, and I don't even know who to pick up. Like none of these guys. All these guys are terrible. You know. Drop Michael Chavis. That was interesting. Michael Chavis droppable though. He's really been bad, but he's been really bad. Yeah. I tweeted about him over the weekend. Basically, the past week or so, his strikeout rate is up over forty percent. He's he's really really lost at the plate, and he didn't play either last night or the night before, 
which is frustrating. But yeah, two nights ago, we saw his upside earlier on in the season. I mean, I, you know, again, a lot. you see this with a lot of prospects, and you know, we could talk about Eloy Jimenez too. Everyone was freaking out about Eloy. Now, in the month of June, he's got a three thirteen batting average, three home runs, and an OPS over a thousand. So, baseball players are going to be streaky. No one's going to be awesome for one hundred and sixty two games. Even Mike Trout goes through slumps. He's gone through a slump that has dropped his batting average below 300. He's still Mike Trout. The counting stats are still awesome. No one's going to be great all season long, and especially for a rookie. So Michael Chavis is going to struggle with the strikeouts, but the pop is legitimate from the middle infield, and he's in a really good lineup. So me personally, I would, I would probably hold out unless, again, like if someone drops someone who shouldn't have been dropped, like an Ozzy Albies, then yeah, you can make a swap like that, but... Just drop Michael Chavis for like the flavor of the week. I'm probably not doing that because we've seen Michael Chavis's upside already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fair enough. Let's go. Let me. Anything else I want to mention here? Brian McCann had the two home runs, as I said. Donaldson uh, also went deep. One name that we mentioned yesterday, and was my group of friends actually been talking about it, is Eloy Jimenez. And Eloy. It's been an on and off season for him, which you should expect because he's a young player, and this is exactly what happens. Eloy homered yesterday for the ninth time on the year. Jimenez is average, not good. It's just 239. OBP, also not good at 289. And yet, you look at Eloy and you, you want him to be better. In June, he has been, Frankie. Yeah, he's been, he's been tremendous in the month of June. Uh, you know, again, over 300 batting average, three home runs, an OPS over 1,000. In the month of June, seems like you know he's finally coming around a little bit. He's had to battle injuries. We saw a 470 foot home run over the weekend. The guy has immense power. I'm not, I'm not really worried when it comes to uh, to Eloy Jimenez in the month of June. A 47.8 percent hard hit rate, a 39 percent fly ball rate as well. So again, he's getting his legs underneath him. He's dealt with the injuries. Eloy Jimenez is going to be just fine. And your window to to buy low on him is. Closing rapidly. Like, if you can still buy low on him, absolutely, 100%. Something I would try to do because you won't be able to do it for much longer. The last hitter we want to mention from last night, that would be Jordan Alvarez, who you predicted was going to homer. And he did. Nice job, Frank. Greg, you know, I actually looked at Freddie Peralta's line last night and I said, this is so freakishly close to what I said it was going to be on the show. Amazing. I think like yesterday I said, oh, this is the performance he's going to give you like six earned runs over three innings pitched. Well, it, it was pretty damn close to that, Greg. I believe it was, uh, it was six earned runs over four innings pitched. Still give you the seven strikeouts. So if you want to get a silver lining out of Freddy Peralta, he's, he's not good. He's just too predictable. And with Jordan Alvarez, uh, the home run that he hit actually came off of Matt Albers. And if you were watching that at bat, threw him three straight changeups, struggled mightily on the first two. And then on the third one, he adjusted... And it was like a pitch way below the zone and just muscled it out to right field and it hit a home run. I mean, those are the type of adjustments you want to see in the middle of a bat from a young player. So, gets three straight changeups, struggles with the first two, sees a third one, and just whacks it out of, out of the park. And so, and a lot of people have actually been tweeting out the screenshot of the side view. I mean, this was a ball that should not have been hit a home run, Greg. It was a low pitch and it seemed like he was like, like lunging for it, but the guy has legitimate power and I mean this is this is what we should expect from Yordan Alvarez moving forward. Get hyped everyone. He's finally here and he's about to take off. I think he already has, my friend. Yes, he is.
Patrick Corbin in that game uh, with Eli Jimenez going back got rocked five innings, seven hits allowed, seven six hits allowed rather, seven runs allowed, a couple of home runs, including the one to Eloy, as well as Wellington Castillo who hit a grand slam in the bottom of the first inning. Anthony Rendon here uh, in this one had two home runs, uh, his thirteenth and fourteenth of the year. Yeah, Patrick Corbin, a little bit worried about Patrick Corbin right really? now. Uh, over his last five starts, has a six point. 8-7 ERA, Greg, and his slider that was such a wipeout pitch for him last year has not been nearly as good. So I do have some concerns. He's not getting as many whiffs on that. The isolated power is up against that slider, and he relies on it a lot. I mean, this is a pitch that he throws 35 to 40% of the time. He doesn't have a great sinker. He like works in a changeup. His fastball is not great either. So if the slider is not working for him, Greg, I don't really know what else he can go to. The walks are up for Patrick Corbin as well, so I was worried about him coming into the year. Yes, Remember, I, I couldn't really pinpoint it. I, I was thinking that he throws his slider so much that this might result in an injury, and I don't, you know, I don't want to speculate. Maybe there's something going on, but you know, his past five starts, he he hasn't been great, and it's part it's partly due to his slider not being nearly as dominant as it was last year. And to be honest, I, I just don't know what else he can go to if not his slider because it's his best pitch, Greg. So I do have some concern. He has a two-start week next week. If he struggles again in those two starts, he's going to be someone that we're going to be talking about benching moving forward until he can figure it out. Let's take a break. We're not dropping him, though. No, we're not. No, we're not dropping him. I mean, people get trigger happy, Greg. I was getting questions last month about Ozzy Albies. There might be people out there like, oh, should I drop Patrick Corbin? Do not drop Patrick Corbin. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Davis Maddock on the other side, as well as our best bets forever. We're flying by. 20 minutes to go. Stick around. More from your BFFs right after this. The Fantasy Sports Network is ready to take you out to the ballgame. Our experts and analysts are following the boys of summer through all 162 games of the 2019 MLB season with the best fantasy baseball analysis in the industry. Catch the latest news and notes every day to help you win your fantasy leagues and your DFS tournaments. We'll always want you back listening and watching the Fantasy Sports Network on the FNTSY radio app and the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, where we're root, root, rooting for your fantasy baseball team. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. The morning after. I've never tweeted at someone on my team saying you suck. And not past that, but you should see the things that people are tweeting to Kyle Lowry. So then I think to myself, I'm like, well, I bet you it's not even people in Toronto. It's not even Raptor fans. But no, a lot of it was. Ontario, Toronto, like the, the region, Raptor fan, and somehow his fault that they lost the game. There's always got to be that singletary blame all the time. We're like, we're in that blame game. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers.
Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, only at rotoexperts.com. Brian, how much do you love this song? It seems like, yeah, I, yeah you knew there was no doubt that Brian yeah. loves Vici. Rest in peace? Yeah. I'm, do I not like uh, Are you saying that in my ear or on the air? Sounds like, like it's in the. It sounds like it's in, in my ear. ear. Yeah, I want it on the air because no one can understand the conversation that we're having without you responding. Okay, that is true. There we go. Yeah, so do I? I'm not into this. No, as everyone knows, I'm not an EDM person. Like, I feel like you were. You grew up in like the prime EDM era. I only really know Avicii. I don't really know. Oh, him. really? All right. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, that type of guy. No. All right. Cool. He was a little bit more. Mainstream, I would say, too, Greggy. Agreed like, more popish. I agree with that. But it's still, like, EDM, techno-y elements, I guess. One person who I don't really see as liking Avicii, uh, that would be Davis Maddock. Davis, what's up, man? What's up? How's it going, guys? Uh, how do you feel about Avicii? You know, I can, I can dig it a little bit. Like, I would never listen to an EDM song of my own volition, sure. but I'm not, like, mad when it's on. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that's probably... Most people, like, outside of actual, like, EDM lovers, yeah. probably, like, all right, if I hear an Avicii song, like, I'll listen to it. He, he didn't make bad music. No, no, no. So, you know what's really interesting? So, like, as we've gotten, or we've gotten older, and, like, the hardcore EDM, at least in my mind, has kind of gone what away. What was this? Fist Is that your... <laughs> EDM, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, continue. It's, like... I enjoyed that. It's been a little bit more mainstream type of music. I was like, oh, I kind of enjoy it. Not, like, the hardcore EDM. Yeah, the hardcore EDM, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're a Jersey guy, Greg. You should be into it. No blowout, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're talking to Davis Maddock on the eve of the U.S. Open, and, and, and shockingly enough, we're not even talking about golf, Davis, but I sent you my team uh, before we started. How do you like my team this weekend? I like it. You have, you have a couple of the guys I'm really big on, including, nice. uh, including Cantlay. Cantlay is definitely, he's rounding into winning his first major championship. Really would not be surprised to see him walking away with it this week. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Cantley is very close between Cantley and Adam Scott. I basically use your recommendations and the guys at DailyRotor.com and then make, make a team, and that that's how I do it. So, uh, to my friends, Frankie, we you know I don't really watch much golf, but I, I pay attention to the Neither majors. Neither do I. I pay attention to the majors. We do videos on it every week, and five of us in a group, we each pick six golfers in a, a draft, and whoever has the lowest total score at the end of the week wins. All right, so you're just throwing some darts here, Greg. That's all I'm doing. Well, you're using uh, you're using the advice of people who actually know what they're, what talking, they're, about, what they're yeah. talking about when it comes to golf. Uh, but, Davis, feel free not to help Greg at all or, or answer him, because if it goes wrong, he will definitely let you know about it. Well, I mean, fair enough. That's what you should always do. You should always hold people accountable Thank if they're you. giving you if they're giving you horrible information. Thank you. I never forget, like, Davis, we did a, the Masters preview for FanDuel, and he had, like, some... Sh- Crazy long shot, like 350 to 1. I was like, You're, what are you doing? You're just throwing away money. <laughs> what are you doing? Day one, this guy was winning the tournament. I was like, oh my God, Davis, you're about to be a million. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> Method to the madness, Greggy. It was. I felt so good for him. And hopefully this week it's his boy, Joel Damon, uh, that comes through and wins him some cash and wins uh, this U.S. Open Championship. Moving on from golf, though, Davis, your other full-time job is working for RotoExperts.com, NFL 365, and constantly producing content. And right now, over at RotoExperts.com, you're putting out information to help players with their best ball drafts. Frankie, I know you have started playing best ball, and you have questions. Yeah, so I, I basically am going to continue, like, once every uh, best ball draft that I'm doing ends, I'm just going to start up a new one until we basically get to the start of the season because I like to see where players are going and ADP trends and everything that's going on. Uh, the main question that I have right now when it comes to uh, best ball Davis is, how are you handling Tyreek Hill, especially when it comes to, you know, this this uh, this, this huge contest that we have going on over at draft where... Um, you know, someone like Tyreek Hill can really, really be a game changer, obviously, in best ball. But how are you handling the Tyreek Hill situation? McCole Hardman, a lot of people excited about him being drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, has electric speed. But when we don't know what's going to happen to a potentially suspended player, how are you handling a situation like that? Because we know that Tyreek Hill has immense upside on, on a week-to-week basis. So I just have not taken Tyreek Hill yet, uh, especially in the best ball championship. I have avoided him. Those leagues do tend to be a little bit sharper. So he probably slides even later, you know, in those in those drafts, you're probably not getting auto picks or the people who, you know, are not even aware that there is a suspension drafting in those. I am uh, pretty invested in the other Chiefs wide receivers, though, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman. I've drafted all of them, you know, on over 10% of my rosters. In particular, I think Sammy Watkins' ADP is really intriguing. You know, sometimes you can get him in the fifth round. Early on in the offseason, you could get him in the sixth round. Now in the fourth round, there's a little bit more of a question between him and, you know, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, those kinds of guys. But McCole Hardman is a really interesting one to me. Because you can really get him, you know, kind of in the ninth, tenth round, and then you can get Demarcus Robinson with your very last pick of the draft. So I actually have Demarcus Robinson on about twenty percent of my draft best ball teams that I've done so far because I sort of expect him to start the year as the outside boundary receiver uh, across from Sammy Watkins. And talking about that, uh, that that. Huge tournament over on Draft right yeah. now. Draft.com, you can check it out. You could also download the app, the, the Draft app. It is a massive best ball tournament that basically you go throughout the season, Greg, and weeks 1 to 12 is the regular season, and then you have, a, you have playoff rounds, weeks 13, quarterfinals, weeks 14, semifinals, week 15, and then the finals in week 16. I mean, we're going to have as many as 165,000 entrants in this best ball tournament. It's a $25 entry right now, so you play... You basically do a a 12-team draft, Greg, okay. and you're competing against everyone else, and then the highest scorers from those first 12 weeks are going to move on to playoff rounds, okay. but there's like over $3 million in prizes Whoa. throughout this thing, so it's really, really cr- crazy. It's a, a big topic of conversation when it comes to best ball drafts right now. Uh, how many entries do you have in this so far, Davis? I think I've done five teams in the best ball championship thus far like uh one of the things that we mentioned in our ultimate strategy guide is that drafting early in these leagues does tend to be an advantage because you know you have better odds of finding 2019's uh james connor right like the the more information that you have before the rest of the crowd the better your chances of building a unique roster with like a huge adp value is uh but pretty much every day i'm registering for you know one five and and ten dollars 
smaller, slow drafts just because I love to always be getting those notifications. I love to be always making those picks. I, I really want to have just a bunch of best ball teams to be tracking this year. Yeah, you want to just constantly have these players to look at, constantly track and see ultimately where you do end up, hopefully get in the playoffs, and then try it and, of course, win that $3 million prize at the end of it. We're talking to Davis Maddock here of DailyRoto.com and RotoExperts.com, NFL 365 package. Let's get into some strategy here, Davis. I know you don't want to reveal too much, but we're trying to help people out. What is What have you learned? You've done five leagues so far, five teams. What have you learned thus far through your five drafts? Well, I've only I've done five in the best ball championship. I've done like eighty of these, you know, out, outside of the best ball <laughs> championship. Right. So I would say probably the biggest thing you learn in doing a bunch of drafts is what sort of early picks are going to lead to your other roster construction. So, for example, uh, if you take Travis Kelsey at the beginning of round two, you know you're probably waiting super late to take a quarterback, and you're probably only taking uh, a second tight end. Or if you miss out on a running back that you really like in the first and second round, there's not a ton of value in taking one of the guys that you only feel okay about in the third or fourth round. So you're probably going to be going super wide receiver heavy early, and then really pound, you might even take eight running backs uh, uh, and only go two quarterbacks, two tight ends, and have a lower number of wide receivers. So, like what you what you learn through doing more drafts is just how to compete, how to complete rosters that are set up to compete based on how the first couple of rounds go. Davis, correct me if I'm wrong. These are 18 round drafts, correct? Yeah, 18. Uh, you start one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and a flex. No kicker, no defense. And for those who are wondering, who are out there uh, watching, uh, what is best ball? It's basically, you know, they they put out your optimal lineup week in and week out. You don't have to set your lineup. So basically, that's why you hear so many uh, analysts doing massive amounts of these best ball drafts because you don't have to worry about anything in season. It's literally you just draft, and then throughout the season, you earn fantasy points based on the highest scorers on your roster on a weekly basis. Davis, I wanted to ask you, how do you normally construct your teams? Because... The way that I found myself doing it is in these 18-round drafts, I usually end up with three quarterbacks, three tight ends, and then six each of running backs and wide receivers. Do you find yourself drafting more running backs and wide receivers than that and maybe going with like only two tight ends, two quarterbacks? How do you normally handle the roster construction in best ball? So the math that we have done actually says that the three quarterback, three tight end strategy is bad. Those teams tend to win leagues less on average than teams that have five of those singular positions. We call the the quarterback and the tight end position onesie position. So you're only starting one of the, you're only required to start one of them per week. Tight end scores can actually count towards the flex, but you're really hurting your ceiling by drafting that third quarterback or that third tight end to make it six rosters spots occupied by the quarterback and tight end positions. Ideally, you would like to have 13 of your roster spots dedicated to running backs and wide receivers. And the math suggests that you're probably best off with six running backs, seven wide receivers, uh, two quarterbacks and three tight ends. If you draft tight ends late, three quarterbacks and two tight ends. If you draft one of the stud tight ends early. All right, so that's good to know because I've basically Absolutely. been doing it wrong for a long time. So that's that's why we have Davis on here to to help out everybody with the best with their best ball strategy, uh, but specifically to help me as well. Davis, uh, we got to get a few sleepers in here before we let you go. Uh, who are some of your top guys that are going later on in drafts? 
So some of the guys that I really like going on later than the drafts at quarterback, uh, I'm taking uh, Jameis Winston and Dak Prescott, both of them after round 10 at a pretty heavy clip Uh, at wide receiver. One of the guys I'm really looking at is Curtis Samuel from Carolina. He's really going to step into that, uh, that wide receiver two role and what I project to be a pretty good offense this year. Uh, another thing I really like to do with the wide receiver position is take Josh Allen a little bit later and then pair him with one of John Brown or Robert Foster. Both of those guys are, are basically free, uh, super deep sleeper, a guy I've taken a couple times, Dylan Cantrell. He right now projects to be the third wide receiver in San Diego, which is over the last four years, been, uh, a role that brings about 65 to 75 targets per year, but uh, a pretty high touchdown role for uh, for that low volume. So that's another guy that I really like. And at tight end, a guy that really doesn't even go drafted in a lot of these is Ricky Seals-Jones. I actually have him projected for more playing time and more targets than Charles Clay. A lot of other fantasy websites have that projected backwards. But looking at the Arizona offense, it doesn't really make much sense to have, you know, kind of a slow plotting run block like uh, like Charles Clay in there. And Ricky Seals-Jones actually finished seventh at tight end last year in air yards, despite playing in that horrible Mike McCoy offense. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be a starter from week one on in what should be one of the most pass-heavy offenses in football. Davis Maddock, DailyRoto.com, and of course, RotoExperts.com. The NFL 365 package is available right now. Get 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. We appreciate the time. Davis, I know, Frank, we have a lot more questions for Davis. We'll have to do it again soon, man. Yeah, anytime. Uh, always glad to talk baseball. This is this is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football. I, anyone who's anyone who tries it, I guarantee you will get addicted to it. There you go. We enjoy we enjoy it. Enjoy the U.S. Open, and we'll talk to you soon. That is Davis Maddock, RotoExperts.com, NFL 365 fantasy football package. All right, we're going to sign off YouTube now. At the Window is next with Sean Guastamacchia. Stick around for that. Sean, and At the Window, coming up next. Frankie, it's time to get into our best bets forever. Uh, yesterday, okay day. wasn't our best. wasn't our worst. We nailed Houston. Obviously, that was a gimme. Not we, you. All right. You keep saying we. It's a team. It's just you, We're Greg. a team. I don't just take credit, man. We're a team effort. Uh, I'll take credit when I That's when I do fine. I try to make it a team effort. <laughs> Houston was an easy one for us. Unfortunately, we got very, very close with the Bull uh, and Detroit. That didn't work out. Uh, your pick, Frankie, of Luis Castillo, I believe, went to extra innings. So you were right yeah. there, too. That was a close game, too. Pitchers duel between Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo. Both guys pitched really, really well. I thought that the Cincinnati Reds offense might be able to muster up a little bit more against Trevor Bauer, especially considering that he walked five batters yesterday. So that was a little bit disappointing, but it was a close game. But you know what? You don't win any money for coming close, Greggy, unless you play horseshoes, of course. You do not win money for coming close. So we went one for three yesterday. Frank, let's turn it around today. What is your best bet forever? I actually have two that I really like. There's two sides that I like, and they're... Pretty decent favorite, so I don't really love doing this, but I'm going to okay. take Zach Eflin and the Phillies at minus 144. He's performed much better at home this year, while Merrill Kelly has been a disaster on the road. We actually spoke about that on Monday with Matt Modica. So, Zach Eflin and the Phillies money line at minus 144. I also like Joey Lucchese and the San Diego Padres going into San Francisco against Sean Anderson and the Giants. You get the Padres money line at minus 132. So I like both of those. You could play them separately. I wouldn't be opposed to parlaying these two together. And if you do that, Greg, you get it at plus 197. That's the Phillies and the Padres tonight. I like both of those winners. All right, there you go. The 
Padres in there. I like Joey Lucchese. He's probably the best. And the Phillies, you like their money line as a winner, minus 144. I was looking at that Phillies game as well. Lucchese certainly stands out to me. I'm trying to find something else that I really like. I'm not necessarily finding it, to be totally honest with you. Um, something calling out to me. The only thing I kind of, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm having a gut feeling about. Uh-oh, what do you got? Tell me it's not the Oreos uh, total. I'm not going with the Oreos total, <laughs> but I am going with the total. I'm going back to my total well. And it's in that Battle of Ohio game between the Reds and the Indians with Zach Plesak and Anthony Desclafani. You know, it's at 9.5. Plesak pitched pretty well against the Yankees. Desclafani, we're always questioning. But for whatever reason, I like the over. I don't know why. That's what my gut's telling me. Your gut. Greg Sussman's gut. Go with the gut. Go with over 9.5. Over 9.5. It's a lot of runs. The only way you're going to know that is if you're listening to this on demand literally five minutes before the game starts because it's at 110. So I'm not allowed to say that one now? <laughs> I guess I should. should. Uh, we'll put it on the record for you, Greg. You it's on the record. It's on the record, man. How about, how about this Cubs and Rockies game, Greg? The over, by the way, is plus 100, so it is the underdog. The Cubs and Rockies, Greg. Yeah. I know it's in Coors Field. The total's <laughs> massive at 12, man. So big. Do you dare mess with the under there? No, I don't mess with the under. Just don't mess with Field. unders in no. Coors Field. No. All right. Yeah, I think I'm kind of getting trapped here the same way you got trapped for, the, for that Orioles and Rangers game a couple of weeks ago. Speaking but of the Cole Orioles. Cole Hamels has pitched well. Speaking of the Orioles, though, David Hess versus Edwin Jackson. Is there a number that's high enough? This is a big number. It's so big. It's 10 and a half. Well, you should probably take the over. Right? <laughs> There's no number. Edwin Jackson. There was a quote over the weekend. I, I f- actually feel bad for him. I feel bad for the Blue Jays, too. Um, after his last start where he got rocked, Greg, they asked the Blue Jays manager, I believe Charlie Montoya. Yep. They said, will Edwin Jackson be in the rotation for another go-around? Because he's been so bad. He's yeah, been he's so been, ineffective. He's been bad, yeah, yeah. He, he said, quote, we just don't have anybody. We just don't have anybody to pitch. That's sad. Not really a ringing endorsement for Edwin Jackson. Feel bad for the guy. You know, once through a no-hitter, I mean, guys, he's come a long way. 170 pitch no-hitter. Yeah, like eight walks or something. That's <laughs> that's it. I want to thank Davis Maddock for joining us. I want to thank Alex and the guys downstairs for all of their help, and Brian as well. So we appreciate it. For Frank Stample, I'm Greg Sussman. We'll see you tomorrow with Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries. Thank you so much for watching. We'll look at tomorrow. We hope. Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, super.